Hello, this is Yolanda Murphy, and welcome to this Exceptional Journey podcast, where you will find inspiration to live courageously through adversity, empowerment to live freely despite your past, and ignition to live boldly in your purpose, all by walking the survivor's side of life. Good people, it's me. Yolanda Murphy, back with another episode of this Exceptional Journey podcast, where we talk all things young adult cancer, breast cancer, and what it means to be a survivor. As you can tell by the title, as you can tell if you've been listening this week uh, to podcast episodes, it is Young Adult Cancer Awareness Week. Literally, it's all about highlighting us, our testimonies, our stories, what we've gone through what we're still going through, because we all know once you get a diagnosis, it doesn't just end. Uh, but if you've clicked over to my little corner of the podcast world, thank you so much for rocking with your girl. Um, as always, let me go ahead and get my social media out of the way. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at This Exceptional Journey. And then head on over to Twitter. You can find me at TEJ Podcast. Um, also use that hashtag if you could um, at Um, sorry, hashtag TEJ podcast. So we can keep these conversations going. Everyone that I'm going to be speaking to this week is a phenomenal rock star in their own lane, doing their own thing with their cancer journey. And I would love to keep these conversations going. So without further ado, drum roll, please. I have a special guest today. Janelle, girl, what's up? Hey, Yolanda, how are you? Girl, so first of all, don't ever call me Yolanda again in your whole entire life. Don't, I'm sorry. Don't, so <laughs> let me give a little background before we get started. <laughs> okay, guys, let me give a little background. I've known Janelle for probably at least half of my life because she is my cousin's best friend, one of my close cousins. That's like a sister to me. She is her best friend. So I've known Janelle for a very long time. Very, very yeah. long time. So yeah. the fact that she just used my government name when she, you know, it's fine. So I'm just going to let everyone know now, disclaimer, my nickname is Yuki, like Cookie. My dad gave it to me. <laughs> that is my family nickname. So if you hear her say it more than once, that's what she's talking about. Okay. So just a little brief background. This is Janelle. Um, I am so excited you. that this girl decided to do a podcast episode with me because when I tell you this baby, the nuclear war would have been going down and Janelle would have just kept it to herself because <laughs> she's so private. I mean, and that's not a bad thing. She handles her business. She'd go about what she need to do. And you know what I mean? She'd take care of her family, honey. I mean, but I got her on. She's going to share. And I'm excited. Janelle girl, what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? So thank you, Yuki. There it is. There uh, it for, is. The, for the great, um, you know, let me know to the people I'm new to the podcast world so you know give me a second to kind of get my sea legs here um, yes. my oh. story I've, I've found as being a part of different groups is not that unique actually especially for African-American women unfortunately um, so I'll just dive right in um, absolutely I found a lump one morning in between jobs showering taking off one set of scrubs to put on another and I was like oh that's kind of weird but it was one of those weirds that I just couldn't get past. 
Mm -hmm. I head to my office. I worked for a private physician at the time. I came in, I kind of was like, hey, listen, I found this lump. What do you think? This was in March of 2020. Um, he's like, yeah, I don't like that. I'll send you for an ultrasound. In the middle of my workday, he's like, we got the office. You go do that. Mm-hmm. Head over to McGee, have an ultrasound that at the time they said I had fibrous breasts, nothing to worry about going about your business. I'm like, okay, cool. So mm-hmm. I do just that. Everything seems fine. Nope. I have a physical with my PCP, who is a woman. Mm. And I'm telling her about this because because of COVID, I hadn't seen her from March until then. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm relatively healthy. I pop in periodically just to kind of chat, you know? Mm-hmm. So she feels it and she's like, I don't like this at all. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, I want you to get a mammogram. I'm like, really? Because they said I don't have to get one till 40. And uh, I got a year to get it. Like, I'm holding <laughs> on to these stories, right. baby. Like, I, I don't want to. Right. So I'm like, all right, listen, it's August 13th. My birthday's in three days. How about I do it later? And I did that. August 28th, I, you know, go for my mammogram. You know, I've been a nurse for over 20 years. So we always know when something just isn't quite right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they come back. They're like, the doctor wants some more pictures. And I'm mm. like, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, the doctor wanted to get an ultrasound. I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. So then I'm sorry. So then you just start rationalizing. Like, right. Well, you know what? She didn't take really good pictures. So I can see why wow, they want to get a better. Right. Picture. But the further on the evaluation that day became, I kind of like had that gut feeling. You know, they did a same day biopsy. And, um, you know, even still at that point, you honestly, I was optimistic. It's my general personality. I yeah. was the person who when COVID first hit, I was like, it's going to be an isolated group of people to say will be bad. <laughs> so that is my general personality. Right. So I, um, you know, they tell me, don't call me in three days. I go about life. Like I'll wait until they call not work sitting in the office and, and, um, they call and let me tell you these nurses. They're an acceptable group of people because I couldn't imagine what it's like to tell someone, mm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sitting at my desk alone, thank God. And she says, you know, you have cancer. And I was like, who? Mm, and she was like, you, you know, that was my initial reaction. Like, mm-hmm. this is Janelle Gordon here. I'm the person you meant to call because she's like, yes, um, mm. you know, gave me a physician's name to call. And I did that. Um, I, my initial reaction was, I just, I threw up actually, Mm. because, you know, outside of my professional life, which is all I've talked about, I'm a mother of three, Mm -hmm. two daughters, 14 and 10, and a son, a precious, precious son who is five years old. Yes. And the first thing I thought is he's young enough to forget me if Mm. this is the end, you know what I mean? And it Mm -hmm. was just like, I'm, wait, I'm 39. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, how do you even navigate this type of space right now? Like, where do I even go? Because then there's Mm -hmm. no optimism. I had lost that light that I've always had. Yeah. Everything's going to be okay. And instantly I was like, it's not, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I think one night I was watching a kid sleep before my first appointment. And um, I was, I just told myself I wasn't ready. They're not ready. There's no way this is my purpose. To, to come this far in my professional life, to come this far in my life with my family. Like I'm a spring, spring chicken. I yes, still ma'am. got baby fuzz. Like yes. this can't be. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where my fight began. You know, I went first appointment. Um, they told me it was stage three metastatic into the um, 
lymph nodes in my armpit and that this was going to be a curative standpoint, but it wasn't going to be hard. Mm. Um, I did four rounds of a double decker chemo, mm. two running at once every mm. two weeks that about killed me. Mm. I mean, the nurses, they, Yoki, when I tell you pinpointed thing down today, they knew it. They said, yes. prepare. You're going to lose your hair between seven and 21 days. Yep. There are going to be days you can't get up and go to the bathroom, drink as much as you can. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, if you got a first floor set up, make it so you're not going up and down the steps because there are going to be moments that you're not going to be able to do that. Yep. But then now I had this fighter in me. I didn't even take off work. I was like, not going to do that. Oh, Yo, I'm going to work. And let me stop be you because this is what's not funny, but funny. I remember one day I checked on you. I, I don't remember if it was a call or a text, but you was like, oh girl, you know, I'm not working. It's fine. I said, wait, time. What? Like, didn't you, I was like, Janelle, how's treatment? You know, how'd, how'd it go? Oh girl, I went to work. I said, you did what? What? I said, oh, okay, this baby's fighting. Okay, go ahead. Listen, right. I just, cause I thought that I could, right? Because you know, <laughs> it's fine. Like yeah. I had babies on lunch breaks like this. Literally, be, okay. You know, like, I'm just like, I, I got this. You got I it. didn't. <laughs> and I, I didn't realize how hard losing my hair was. I, I think I called Nene in a panic. Mm. First, let me back that up because she called me and was like, let's go get a haircut. Mm. I think if we cut it down, then it won't be so traumatizing. And I was like, thank God for great friends, right? Yes. No, I never would have thought that, right? <laughs> no, I never would have thought that. So we get the haircut. It, it helps. Yeah. But I, it was it was traumatizing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, my hair was who I was. I don't know what India is talking about. Yes, ma'am. I am my hair. <laughs> and when cancer took it away, I was like, you know what? You are ruthless. Listen, like you don't even care Mm-mm, at all. Like I'm sick. Is that not enough for you? Right. And I, I didn't know how to handle that. You know, I, cause that was what made me feel beautiful, which is crazy. As confident as I thought I was about yeah. everything that it was those luscious locks that I had mm. become accustomed to for Girl. 39 years yes. that put my stamp on me mm-hmm. and it, it was difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Difficult not being able to be with my kids. You know, now my kids are homeschooled. I have two that are old enough to know what's going on. Another one that's not quite sure, but something's not right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And on days they're supposed to be and sometimes my kids were taking care of me mm-hmm. getting me some water you know mm-hmm. my 14 year old maybe helping me get back to the bed or I decided to have a really high bed and after chemo not an easy task to get into it so mm-hmm. you know it was it taking me to some places where I'm I was just like I'm not going tomorrow I'm mm-hmm. not going I'm not going to do it if this yeah. is how it's gonna make me feel I'm not going to do it mm-hmm. and but every part of the way God has shown up and shown out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which every moment that I thought I wasn't coming back, he was carrying me because somehow Girl. I got there and I don't even remember having the mental fortitude to get up and go, but I did. Yep. And for every post scan, he was showing off. You hear me? Yes. First four rounds, they were like, this was more than we ever could have expected, you know? Yeah. Next 16 rounds, they're like, if it wasn't for these clips, we wouldn't even know where to go. Mm. And just last week, post-surgery pathology, I'm cancer-free. Whoop, 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 whoop. 
I still have some radiation to do, but it's yeah. like the, the two point conversion instead of the extra kick is just making sure that it's you know, dampening it on. And I couldn't be more grateful yeah. um, to just come out on the other side, yep. you know, physically, but also mentally because I'm different. I'm forever changed. Ever, forever. I, you know, yeah. And a big part of that is you. We talked about this earlier. We talked about it before. <laughs> My first time going to, like you said, I don't like to share. Listen. In that meeting, I was so nervous. I had mm-hmm. already told myself, like, I'm not talking. I'm going to just listen and see yeah. if anybody goes through what yeah. I went through. The sound of your voice, I was just like, okay. And then your face. I was like, all right. And I mean, I mean, this, this is too much. Like, this is too much. And for those of you that don't know what she's talking about, she's talking about Young Adult Survivors United. Uh, which is the support group um, that we're both a part of. Majority of the um, survivors that I'm speaking to this week are a part of YASU. And I'll actually have Stephanie on later this week. So stay tuned for that. But go ahead, sorry. I mean, it's just, um, and you ever like go through something this devastating, but you're thankful for it because of the way the journey went, as crazy as that sounds. Listen. Um, um, I learned a lot about myself that I'm a control freak. I like, you know, I have, I'm a plan A, B, C, D and A, B, C, D to the A, to the A, B, C, D. Absolutely. Like, and, and I had to relinquish that type of control because mm-hmm. cancer don't give, they don't care what you think you had to do, mm-hmm. what you had planned. It's just, no. Nope. And, and I had to learn that I had to let others take care of me because I've been a caretaker for so long. You said that my best friend was like, I don't know why you just don't let people do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And Girl. I just, I had to check myself, like, I'm really, oh, okay. oh. oh, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's been a journey, but also that I'm, I'm, I'm tougher than I ever thought. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Did I lose your yeah, Sorry. <laughs> I'm, let me get my bag. I'm tougher than I ever could have thought yeah. um, I could be like, and, you know, and that's something that you need sometimes. Absolutely. You know, you think I'm, I'm going through something. How much can I take? How this is too much. Getting through this in this fashion has taught mm-hmm. me that. Listen, my faith and my friends that I have. Absolutely. I'm virtually unstoppable. Listen. Girl. To know that because there's been times of doubt. Yeah. Yeah. There's times of doubt. I mean, don't get me wrong with cancer and not just with cancer, you know, you could be going through another diagnosis or have a car accident. Yeah. You know I mean, something like that. But like you said, being a control freak, I'm the same way. I was like, okay, wait, we need to do this, this, blah, 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 blah. And then cancer was like, oh, okay. That's, that's what you think. Um, no, <laughs> no, that's not how it's going to go down. Um, oh, just go ahead. Keep talking. Cause you just dropping so many nuggets. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Of you and even still, like I was even at the beginning. So my first round was the two chemos at once, but it was every other week. So I had what I called a rebound week. You know, mm-hmm. chemo was every Tuesday. Wednesday was okay, but I got Nupagen on Wednesday, which mm-hmm. you know, you know, I don't know if you've ever had that. It's the devil reincarnate. Let me just tell you. Uh-huh. And, and then, but Thursday, Friday were like total shutdown days. Mm-hmm. It, could do to lean over take a sip of water get up and go to the bathroom and come back mm-hmm. and you know Saturday into Sunday I regained and then I would be up cleaning the house washing the windows 
doing whatever, preparing myself for the week. For the week. The following week when I couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Epic fail. Because, you know, at the end of that four weeks, I was beat down. Yes, you were. (laughs) I was just like, okay, that's probably not good. Mm -hmm. You know, so so many learning curves that are thrown in there. Because like we both said, we are control freaks. I try to control at every angle. For every angle. It's like, mm-mm. mm-mm, just sit down. Just chill. <laughs> just, just chill. Listen. Just chill. Oh, Janelle. Guys, listen, okay? This is the reason why I do what I do, all right? Because at the end of the day, when someone, so for example, I, it'll be five years for me um, this year. Well, it's five years for me this year, depending upon when you count your cancerversary. Some people call it their cancerversary the day they were diagnosed. Some say... Um, they have different cancerversaries. Like when I started chemo, when I ended chemo, they're all celebrations to me because I'm still here. Okay. But my big cancerversary that um, I like to celebrate is when I finished all active treatment and finished everything that's in October. And it just so happens to be Breast Cancer Awareness Month. But um, I say all of this to say it, it was not up until maybe a couple of years ago. Um, Cause before then I was just learning about breast cancer. I was doing different trainings, going to different conferences, um, trying to, to be a, a resource for our community, for young adults, for African-American breast cancer patients, because Janelle, you can attest here in the city, there's not much for us, you know what I mean? So um, I just wanted to prepare myself to be a resource, basically. Uh, but then I found over the last couple of years when I started getting connected to other organizations besides ESU and other organizations that are national, like Susan G. Komen and Elephants and Tea and Lacuna Loft and all of these um, or amazing organizations that are nonprofits that um, I'm connected to is that our voices are needed so much more now than ever um, because, and I hate to put it this way, but I'm going to be honest, is there's a lot of whitewashing of breast cancer. It's pink and it's happy and it's, um, oh, you can fight. I mean, I know I can fight, but where are the people that look like me? Where are the people that are my age? Um, but over these last couple of years, I've seen more and more frequently because I've had people that are close to me get diagnosed like Janelle. Uh, my mom's best friend was diagnosed with breast cancer a couple of weeks ago, maybe about a month ago at this point. Um, and it's given me nothing nothing, not pleasure for like, you know, but it's given me great joy to be able to be like, boop, nope, girl, this is what you need to do. Let me, let me get you connected with boop, 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 blah, blah, because God knew there would be a time that I would need the resources that I got four years ago for Janelle today, for Melissa today. Um, and I'm grateful to be able to do that, but that's the whole reason why this exceptional journey was even created because there were no seats at tables and there wasn't even a table. So I said, well, let me go ahead and create my own then. And then everybody's going to come and have a seat at my table because our stories need to be heard. So Janelle, everything that you just said, I say all of that to say, um, girl, your fight. And you know, when you told me the news, um, that Dr. Diego gave you, I was like, yes, girl, yes, shouting. And how was that? So how did your husband respond? Let's, let's ask that. Because, you know, when we got our scans prior to surgery, they said that, you know, mm. but you know, Dr. Diego is one of the best, if not the best in this Girl, region. I mean, I don't think I've ever talked to her nurse. She called me at six o'clock at night about an MRI result. I love I'm it. Like, what? I love it. And it was the same. She said, 
I had been sleeping because I had surgery a couple days before. So, you know, sleeping. And she said, I, I wanted to talk to you and I hope you're ready for some good news. And just like we have spoke about prior to surgery, all pathology so showed no further disease. Um, we are going to go on with the radiation as it's like I said before, it's like that rather than kick the extra point, we're going mm -hmm. for the two point just conversion. Two, so let's just go. Yep. And, yep. and that's kind of how it was. And I think for him, it made him feel better. Like, because I think because he's on medical, his seed of doubt was a lot larger than mine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, like, I can't believe it. And every person I shared it with, it was just like, I was so ecstatic. I'm running around the living room. I cried. I laughed. I cried again. Because, you know, even though all the reports said, you still have those seasons out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and to touch on just the, the, the not representation of me, I did all my treatment at McGee. I never saw anyone else my age during chemo. Mm-mm. mm, -mm. mm, -mm. A lot of, um, I felt like if I had not been a nurse, I think my treatment may have been a little different as well. I think mm. that, if anything, is what kept me in a good space amongst those that was caring for me, as sad as that is. And then, yeah. you know, one day I had to bring my best friend who's the director in and you let them know what I was really a part of. Listen. And it made me think like we as African-American women have to advocate for each other through this journey because you had to create this table. Had yep. it not been for you, I wouldn't be talking about this story. Had it not been for you, I wouldn't have known about all the other organizations mm -hmm. that are out there that can help because it is a lot of whitewashing. They make it seem like this is this fun thing. And mm -hmm. no, it's not fun. It's mm -mm. not fun even when you're, even when you are at the point I'm at, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where they're saying everything is gone because I think forever in the back of my mind for every scan that I get moving forward, it's always going to be, yep. is this coming back? Yep. And how will I handle it then? Yep. So um, yep. you've inspired me more than I can say to come out of my shell a little bit, to tell my story because yes. you helped me. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. maybe someone yeah. hearing me, I'm helping them and I can lead them back to you. And, and it just changes the game for so many people. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it's about. That and and unfortunately, it takes someone to know someone to know someone to know someone. But if you know that right someone, it's a plethora uh, a world of options. Um that that uh, you know, we always say this is a club no one wants to ever be a part of, but if I got to be a part of it. Now, if I got to be a part of it, I want to be connected to the right people, which is, you know, why from the beginning I went to trainings and sought out, you know, scientific sides of things and then advocacy sides of things, because y'all ain't just going to keep telling me stuff. No, let, I'm going to learn, but then I'm going to do my research. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you're opening up girl, that you're letting those wings fly. Um, thank you. Thank you. Of course. Um, so as she alluded to, um, you know, this is ugly. It can be. Um, and even if you know, she just got some amazing, amazing news, but her, her journey is still not done. She still has to do radiation. Um, and there may, everyone, <clears throat> excuse me, um, responds differently to every part of active treatment. You know what I mean? Um, some people burn, some people don't, but it's still a part of the journey. Uh, and that, I see that hair coming in girl. Mm -hmm. Listen, I'm gonna I'm try, but it's there. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's gray. I, I got was gonna say, fabulous and 40 with gray hair. It's I, all I, gray. I, really? It's poker straight. 
Well, it's going to change though. It's going to change. A ripple, a nothing. It is poker <laughs> dumb. I keep looking for a curl somewhere, and it's just not. Well, when mine came in, it was like baby curls, like newborn curls, and it was like soft, like a new bird's coat. Um, but baby, like give it a month or so, maybe two, three months, them, them kinks started coming in. Okay. <laughs> you know, what you say? This, this is two months. Oh, there's what? not a curl to be there's found. There's nothing in there. Nothing. <laughs> there's nothing. It's like duck hair and I keep <laughs> filling it and it's just like, you know how the ducks just like kind of thin and then it gets thicker. That's yes. what's happening. Okay. I even have like a little duck thing in the middle that I got to try to like slick down a little bit. You I'm know like, what? Listen, Come on. Where are the curls that I was born with? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it but, looks good know, though. I, Thank you. I don't wear my hat off, honey. I'm like, listen. First of all, it's too hot outside. Listen. I ain't had a wig on in months. You hear me? Listen. I was like, I ain't doing it. I listen. So I remember when my hair first fell out, it fell out. So I had my first chemo. Um, if I had to guess the date, it would be like April 29th. Um, and my brother's birthday is March 10th. You know, 30 days half September, April, June, and November, right? So there was only one more day left in April and then may right so we went out for my brother's birthday we went somewhere to eat and that was my very last picture of because you know I was wearing my natural hair I had a big afro uh, my cousin well either one of my cousins one did my natural hair one did my um blowouts so depending upon you know what I wanted to look like I was always together right so my cousin had just did my natural hair she did some twists and you know it was really cute little bun or something um, and that was my very last picture with hair. And then not even a day later, maybe two days, I went to, I said, okay, um, I'm going to take my hair out. Um, girl, I didn't even have to take the braids out. Like I was just pulling out whole braids. Um, and it's just so funny that you, um, mentioned India Ari's song, because when I posted it on Facebook, I said, what does that song go that I am not my, and then people were like, oh my gosh. And I just showed all of my hair on the floor. Um, literally just real easy. I didn't have to do much, but I say all of that to say, it took me about two, maybe two, three weeks. Um, even before I shaved it because all of it hadn't grown out and my hair was pretty, probably like shoulder length at that time when it was straight. And, but I could still like all scalp. I still had hair that I could pull back. My ponytail was probably this thick, <laughs> but I was, I didn't want to let it go yet. It took me like two weeks to let uh, my cousin, she, um, shape, she took a, uh, not a razor blade, um, clippers and did it. Right. So then even from that point, I still had peach fuzz and I was like, okay, I just want a bald head. I want to be shiny out here. So I had my brother Bicket for me, honey. It was the most freeing thing that I've ever done. So the fact, and it was around summertime, you know, cause I didn't finish active treatment until July. I mean, um, chemo until July. Honey, when I tell you I tried a wig, I would walk around with baseball caps on. I said, oh no, it's too hot out here. No, 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 no. I was, and then I would have the nerve to give me a little shea butter. Put that on my little, um, on my little scalp. I wasn't playing games, but so girl, you're rocking it. You have to, I mean, for me, I, I wasn't as lucky as you. I, had, when it started to thin out real bad and since mm. I had cut it you could see it 
I had found a couple scars that I can I never looked like the girl with the perfect little thing and the top with the size. That, that's not what I was looking like. I was looking kind of simple. So I called my sister and I'm like, I need your help. Because I've had hair my entire life. I go to the mm-hmm. once a week. Like, this was my life. Listen. And I'm like, um, I need to buy a wig and I don't know what to do. So we meet at this hair store and honey asked the guy, I was like, oh yeah, you take the clips, you clip them into your hair. That's all he said. And I started to cry because mm. I'm like, I don't have hair. I don't have hair, right. My sister's crying. He's crying. Oh, <laughs> I said, just give me that one. So I came home. Like I said, at that time, that earlier that day, it was just thinning. I was like, well, I'm, a, I'm at least wash my hair right before I put this. Because it was like a lace front with the glue. I got something fancy. Oh, I okay. Like, I can't be out here looking crazy. Right. I went into the bathroom and started to wash my hair. And it was just, just like you said, it mm-hmm. was just coming out. When I came out of the bathroom and towel dried it, I, I BS you not. I had a patch hair, a patch hair, maybe something over here. The rest was like booty butt smooth, like when you came into earth. Mm-hmm. So mm. I, I run upstairs, my husband's in the bathroom and I just, I just burst into tears. Mm. Shave it. We're going to be twins. I'm going to shave you first. I'm going to shave me next. And then we're going to take a selfie. Yep. And it was just like, okay. So like, you got a nice head. It's a little pale, but it's nice. <laughs> it's just like, okay. And I think Shana made me a beautiful wig. Mm-hmm personalized to my head that I love but it was so hot I would be in a store I've left my husband in like Sam's and went outside in the car to take my wig off in the winter time because I, I love her treatment in October yeah I, I can't. I'm gonna fall mm. out with hair like this is out yeah and ever since then I've just kind of been like I'm gonna put this hat on or I'm gonna just uh, hey whatever listen I'm gonna put some lip gloss on these lips right here make okay. sure I'm going about my business and be done <laughs> Okay, because I think, like you said, um, one of the key things that you said earlier was that you all of a sudden recognized, like, I thought I was my hair. And don't get me wrong, it's definitely an important component, especially as a woman, um, to our identity besides breast or a booty or whatever is important to you. But then when you realized that you're still just as gorgeous and beautiful without it, you be like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, okay. <laughs> for sure. For Listen, sure. And, but that doesn't happen overnight though, right? You know that, and I think a lot of people, um, first things first, let's be honest. A lot of people think as soon as they hear cancer, that that means you automatically going to be bald. And that's not the case, first of all. But it does happen if you have to do chemo, you know, even contingent upon the type of chemo, your hair might not fall out with some. But honey, it's so freeing. It's so freeing. Uh, but let's talk about this real quick. Let's talk about this real quick because you hit on it. You're a professional, right? You're a nurse. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so let's hit on the fact that you said when you went to treatments, you know, you, you feel like your nursing background. And then for those of you who caught what she said earlier, her best friend, which is my cousin, is she's also a a nurse, but she's a unit director um, at one of the hospitals here in Pittsburgh. So, you know, anytime I have something wrong, I'm running to Nene, like, Nene. (laughs) Is this it? Like, tell me the truth. (laughs) Right, because she gonna tell you. I forget one time Mm -hmm. I said something to her, I was like, Nene, look at this. She was like, I said, Nene, look. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so 
let's hit on the fact that you feel like you were you felt like you you would have been treated different if those two factors were not apart like do you think it was because you were younger or do you think it was because you were black one more time i'm sorry what you said i think it was both okay or it was like maybe of my first round right mm. so I had gone through the Nupagen situation and I was in, in my appointment seeing my physician before I went on to treatment so um, I had said is there anything that I can take for this pain from the Nupagen um, you know it, it feels like it's like taking stretch bands squeezing it across your leg and then stabbing you mm. I said I know because I'm a nurse I'm taking way too much ibuprofen but that's not even giving me relief it's taking the edge off Mm-hmm. And she said, have you tried the vitamin D? I said, I did. She said, I mean, because you can try the vitamin D even for the placebo effect. And I had, I sat up straight in my chair because I thought, does she not know I'm a nurse? But what? even if I wasn't, you basically just said to me to take something, to mess with my mind, to make my mind think that I'm not in pain. And I said, I'm not really big on placebo effects. I'm having actual pain. Right. What are you talking about? But right. what happened next is what let me know that it's a race by just what I know. We are underserved when it comes to pain management, right? Because no one, believe, especially Black women, mm-hmm. they think that this this cloak we have that comes from what we come from. Mm-hmm. We don't. We're not screamers when we're in pain. We're not the depressive people that sit in the house and cry. No, we handle business get in the shower, turn the music up, get a glass of wine and cry in our privacy. Mm-hmm. They think that that means that we're not hurting. And some of that is to our own, you know, it's our own right. as well, because we put this, this thing on, like I can handle it. I can handle it. And that's another thing cancer taught me. No, I can't. Yep. And I don't deserve to have to handle it. Yep. So she said to me, um, well, we'll get you a palliative consult for those who don't understand what that means. That means they want to refer me to another service to handle my pain. Mm-hmm. And this is my medical oncologist who is well-equipped to handle mm-hmm. my pain. Mm-hmm. And I tried because I'm not a, a chemo nurse. This was like brand new to me. That's not what I do. Ask me something about brain injury, stroke, uh, a femur fracture, you know, something normal. Mm-hmm. I got you. This is like putting me in a stylist chair and asking for a color and cut. I don't know what you're talking about, you know? Right. And I said, so you want me to wait for palliative to see me, which could take up to three to four days. By then I'll be done with treatment and I won't have the pain. So basically suffer on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And she wrote me a prescription for something to hold me over till that consult. But it was just like, but why? Especially mm-hmm. when I was just next to my white counterpart who has the exact same diagnosis. Cause you know what you do when you get chemo, you're talking to the person you about their journey. Yes, you she's do. got a plethora of pain medicines, lollipops and patches and creams. And I can't, I can't get anything. We're in the exact same place. We're getting the exact same treatment, but you set her up to be comfortable and you wanted me to suffer through. Mm-hmm. And it's, it are the, it's those things that it, it's important that you created this table. So yep. not only that we can talk about them so that in your research, you can figure out why mm-hmm. this is and stop it. Yep. Yep. And that's, unfortunately that's common. Um, some of the research that I do, so I'm not an actual scientist for y'all that don't know. I work at the University of Pittsburgh. I'm a research specialist, but then at Hillman Cancer Center, which is also here in Pittsburgh, I'm a clinical trial ambassador. That's just around educating um, 
primarily the underserved and black and brown communities around clinical trials um, and the importance of us um, taking part. But say that to say, um, on my research specialist side, um, I recruit for um, research studies out of the School of Nursing um, with um, acute and tertiary care. And uh, so one of the studies we're doing is actually uh, comparing and contrasting African-American women and Caucasian women as they go through chemo um, and seeing what the differences are. Because if you don't know, there is such a huge disparity that black women die about 41 to 42% more than any other race when it comes to breast cancer, <clears throat> that is our mortality rate more than anyone else. Um, so the study that I'm recruiting for, which Janelle is a part of as well, um, we're comparing and contrasting because we wanna know where, where does the discrepancy lie? Is it, so not only are we comparing so that the patients fill out questionnaires about their pain, about their mental health, about their finances, because if we recognize and realize there's also a socioeconomic part to your cancer diagnosis and your cancer journey. Um, and so we're also comparing those things, but we're, we were at least before COVID also audio recording the conversation between a clinician and the patient, because we then wanted to see with the women with the same diagnosis, same treatments, are the clinicians treating African-American women and Caucasian women differently or speaking to them at the same level versus thinking black women are below you know, a certain grade level seeing if that made a difference. See if they're, like you said, you giving her the whole entire world, but I'm sitting here and having to suffer. Although her and I have already discussed, you know, that we have similar diagnosis and all of these things. So I say all of that to say, it's crucial and important to recognize in spaces and not just with breast cancer and any cancer, because let's also be honest, when it comes to the African-American perspective, we have a higher mortality in almost every disease period. If you're looking at lung cancer, prostate cancer, diabetes, anything you look at just about black people, people of color have a higher mortality rate um, for a numerous amount of reasons. And there's a lot of research going into a lot of, you know, trying to figure out all of these things. But from Janelle's perspective, I definitely wanted her to speak on it because she is herself a nurse. You know what I mean? She knows she deals with patients all the time. She knows what it looks like to be, you know, down and out or have to give somebody a diagnosis or to have to help someone through a hard journey of trauma or like you said, some of the things that, you know what I mean, stroke and all of these things. She knows what it looks like. She knows the verbiage. She knows what, you know, what goes on behind the scenes. But her going from the clinician, <clears throat> excuse me, to being the patient, she recognized firsthand. She recognized firsthand. Um, and we're not making this up. We're in, you know, I hate to go off on this whole soapbox, but then there's a lot of people that say, well, you're making it up. How can we make this up? Like it, it's real. It is systemic and it is real. So, so, so before I go off on a whole nother tangent, thank you for sharing that perspective. Um, because I think it's important that people know that white breast cancer and black breast cancer is different. Everybody's already different. Like you and I could have had the same, yeah, you know I mean, and it would have been different, but it's just different, y'all. It's it. Does that make sense? Like, it does because you know, and I say this: I I work in a place where I'm alone by way mm -hmm. of what I look like. I'm mm -hmm. in Washington County. There's nobody else on the oh, board no. that looks like me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, I tell them all the time: yes, 
we're navigating on this earth together. We're navigating this nursing station together, but the lived experience is very different mm, very because different. we all have the exact same background, but everyone prefers you. I work with somebody. I've been a nurse longer than she's been alive. They prefer her. You understand? So just understand that that is just, that's the reality. And yep. I say to them, just because this isn't impacting you doesn't mean that it's not happening. It just means it's not impacting you. And that's when you have to step back and say, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not a white woman. I don't know what that is. I'm not mm-hmm. a black man. I don't know what that is. I'm not mm-hmm. a five-year-old young black boy or a 15. I'm, I'm who I am. So my lived experience is very different. Mm-hmm. And even in the same spaces, going through the same things, we're going to encounter those things different. And breast cancer was no different. Even yep. as I spoke to that woman sitting next to me, um, you know, she, she had to get her chemo laying in the bed you know head cooler and all types of stuff needed we were just talking about just she couldn't do anything whereas me i drove myself sometimes until my family members cut that out like stop. you drove yourself one more time janelle what did you say to chemo treatment and then my family was real upset i'm so glad i didn't know that because i would have been cussing you out anyway I got the blues, but I'm just saying, and just hearing someone else who has the same thing say that I can barely, it takes everything for me to get into the car to get somebody to bring me. Just let you know, here we are, same diagnosis. I mean, it was eerie how close me and this young woman's diagnoses were. We were a difference in age of about maybe, maybe six or seven years. So, you know, that for all general purposes, we're in the same age group, you know, Mm -hmm. but we were very different. I was, I was functioning, like I said, until day three. I, I rebound back the following week. So it, it's different. And, mm-hmm. and the only way to understand that is people do things like this that you're doing so that everybody gets an opportunity to be heard to say, yep. listen, everybody's is different. Some things need to be the same, but other things need to be tailored to each person as they go through their journey the way yeah. they go through it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's important to keep that in mind, even when, so when we go to like support group or um, like when we're in our own living spaces and, and we come across people that may be newly diagnosed or, or things like that, I can only speak from my perspective. Um, I can only give you what I have. You know what I mean? You go to Janelle, she can give you something altogether different. Although we share the, the same journey with breast cancer, that's it. We both had breast cancer. That's the only thing that's the same. Um, but that's again, why this young adult cancer awareness week is important. That's why I wanted to make sure that I highlighted as many people as possible this week um, from different backgrounds, different um, parts, even of the U.S., um, so that people can see and what see and hear what it looks and sounds like to be a young adult. We're not sitting back and withering away. Uh, we're not giving up. We're definitely not stopping the fight. So, Janelle, girl. This was a good time. So Janelle's piece will be up on the blog, um, thisexceptionaljourney.com. Um, she basically talked her whole piece, but <laughs> girl, you got to talk. And I was like, yup, mm-hmm, yup, yup. You know, you gotta stop me sometimes. You gotta stop like we're done. No, but girl, you know, this is what we do anyway. So, um, oh, you know what I meant to say to you? I'm gonna say when we done. I was thinking about, remember when we went to Ohio? Yes. We'll talk, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. Anyway, whoa, history. Anyway, y'all, sorry, we just had a whole sidebar. Um, Janelle, thank you so much for uh being on the podcast. I am elated 
because here's my thing, y'all. Again, I've known Janelle for a very long time. And I know Janelle. Janelle is not like, unless, because we have like, in my, my dad's side of the family is huge. Okay. Huge is an understatement. But, um, you know, you have your crew. You know what I mean? You got your little pockets of people that you chill with, you hang with, whatever. And my crew, you know, we, we do fun things. We spend time with one another, you know, all of the things. But Janelle has never really been like me, Chatty Cathy. You know, everybody knows Jokey can talk, okay? But baby, when Janelle said she was going to be on this podcast, I said, oh, I got to record this. <laughs> Listen, because I may not never hear her talk this much again in life. <laughs> joking, of course, joking. But still, I'm elated that um, you wanted to be a part this week. Um, as always, our stories are important. Um, especially because you're still kind of in the thick of things. But of course, uh, congratulations on the good news. Um, onward and upward, baby. Listen, let's go ahead and knock these radiation treatments out um, and be done that, okay? Uh, but Janelle, any closing thoughts you want to give to the people? You. I, I, tell, I say this to you all the time. I think this is my moment to highlight what you've done for me on a personal level as far as the phone calls, the check-in text, just being the, the subjective person that I didn't know I needed, but I needed, you know, and on a bigger level about what you do every day, the job that you do every day, the creation of this platform for, for not young cancer survivors of all kinds and African-American women mm -hmm. who don't have a platform like this to share. And I think this will change how we deal and how, stop mm -hmm. bottling it up. Now we have a place we can sit down and say, and look mm. at people that look like us, that means so much. I think that gets lost in everything, but especially mm. in breast cancer is the number one killer of African-American women. And it's just like, this is much needed. Um, I can't thank you enough. Again, you're amazing. Oh, and baby. I just hope you can do this for, for a long time. Yeah. A long time. Yeah. Hopefully if God would have his way, there might be some other things coming down the pipeline as well. So we'll talk about that offline. We'll talk about that offline. I don't want to give too much. I won't give too much. Um, but so let people know, and thank you. I'm sorry. You know, I don't really know how to take compliments. I apologize. So it's very, <laughs> um, it's very awkward for me, to, you know, to, for people to be telling me, thank you. So, but thank you. Um, I don't know whatever you're supposed to say at that time. <laughs> it's so awkward. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, no, this is, this is what we do. This is what, well, this is what I do. I don't know about anyone else, but, uh, <laughs> moving on Janelle where can people find you on social media so they can connect with you Facebook is Janelle Gordon plain and simple J-E-N-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N and my Instagram is dgirl56 oh yeah dgirl all right um and all of, you know what you're so silly um and all of her information will be in the show notes um as well but I at least wanted her to verbally give it because everyone doesn't read the show notes people probably don't even know what those are and that's fine that's fine um but as always guys it's been real I really hope um that from this candid and honest conversation that you've picked up something um that can really help you or help someone that you know along the way uh you know when I gave writing prompts this week to everyone and everyone chose which one they wanted to do none of them were really easy per se, because they were really reflective. And that's really what I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be so that 
we could be a resource for someone else just even by telling our own stories. So hopefully guys, um, you know, again, head over to thisexceptionaljourney.com, um, get this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast because all of these stories this week are going to be phenomenal. And I hope you really, really learn and get some nuggets from it. Cool? Janelle, thank you so much. This was so amazing. So amazing. She'll be back, guys. She'll be back. Don't worry about it. Because then once she finishes radiation, we're going to talk about that. It's going to be a whole thing. It's going to be a whole thing. Uh, But guys, until next time, again, thank you for clicking over to my little corner of the podcast world. And please continue to walk the survivor's side of life. Peace.